welcome to another edition of Indie Wrestling Guide, your guide to the best and worst in independent wrestling. And we got a whole lot of both on tonight's show. I'm Jayhawk. I'm joined as always by Jay Gold. Hey, and by Marky. Gotta go fast. If you're not first, you're last. How right, uh, everybody week? Well, uh, if I could start, I became a new uncle this week. My sister-in-law had a baby. She uh, she was born on Friday morning. So um, I just want to say hi to my new niece, Mila. And uh, uh, it's super exciting in my family. It's my wife's side of the family's first uh, uh, grandchild from her sister. And it's, it's a very cool moment. And uh, I just want to uh, shout out my sister-in-laws who have been, you know, working really hard. And, and um, yeah, it's really exciting here. I can't wait. She's right now, she's in the hospital, still getting ready to come home. So um, by Friday, when this airs, she'll be home and doing her thing. I thought we were live. Oh, <laughs> live. I'm sorry. Today, she comes home. She's we're live, live. And if Jake <laughs> Oldneek is listening to the show, please don't, but there's no way I'm not getting a bunch of curtains tonight. That's right. And in and in seven or eight years when you are finding this on a uh, on some sort of uh, uh, electronic technology where you can stream it directly to your brain, you'll hear your uncle and friends chatting about some really bad independent wrestling. Yeah, I don't actually have a lot to talk about or rant about today. I actually like kind of I would I won't kind of stay off of social media, but I kind of cut back on that a little bit and actually watched a brown a brown game without kirking at the TV, even though they played like absolute fucking garbage again. Probably because I expect them to play like garbage. I'm just numb to it at this point. But yeah, I didn't gain any new family members by gaining something just just as important, if not more important, a new Sonic game. I was going to ask you, how is it? It's in, it's really good. It's not perfect. But compared to what was been like we've been getting, I'm very happy with it. That's nuts. Yeah. So what what is the point of this one, by the way? I, I don't I've just seen some like advertisements of people just talking about how much they uh, how much they love it. What what's different about this than the other Sonic games? It's it's just doing something new from the ground up. It's I wouldn't say it's open world, but it's open world ish. They put you on a lot bigger maps. And what they kind of do is they'll put like the action stages scattered around. So it's like they're more used to break them up because they're not very long, but they're really fun. So they're more like these little challenging speed runs. That's just in this bigger world. Uh, it actually has combat to it, which is the last time since Sonic Unleashed, which was not good. And this is this combat is good. So that's nice. Wait, Morris, um, um, can I get it on the Switch? Yes, it is on everything. And apparently it doesn't run as well on the Switch, but it still runs pretty well from what I've been hearing. Okay, because I'm going to surprise my daughter with a Switch, I think, during Hanukkah. So I think I need some games to uh, to play for her. So that'll be good. That's definitely a good one to go with. Nice. All right, well, there's a lot to get into this week here. So let's go ahead and start off with what's going to be on Independent Wrestling later this week. What's on this weekend? All right, so we're not going to do any old man in the cloud rant about uh, fight interface this week, although, but uh, let's just say their schedule does not show a lot compared to what I know they've got on this week. Uh, the main thing that's going to be available for Fight Plus subscriber Game Changer Wrestling presents Aura Sunday at 4 p.m., and they've not announced a lineup for that. That's going to be in. Providence, Rhode Island, they're getting really bad about not announcing lineup like at all ahead of time for shows. Yeah, I've noticed that. They're not, what, it wouldn't be the whole point of this is to like hype up, you know, these shows that are coming. Like, give me something to go on here. Eh, it's Providence. Who cares? 
<laughs> well, I mean, they've got they've got a government hearing on IWTV on Saturday too, and the, yeah, and it's got nothing announced for that either. It's like the Joker, like as we record that, I'm not going to pretend we're live. As we record that, the Joker less than less than yeah you know, three days away, and they they don't bother announcing anything. Like it's so I, odd. Like especially especially there's so much on this weekend. Like I'm not going to watch your show if you don't tell me what you've got on it. Right. Right. But, also, wait, just to clarify, it's not through, not necessarily an advertising fight, but GCW themselves has not announced anything for these shows. I don't, right. I'm not, a, I don't follow GCW social, but I've seen, I've seen nothing, any, any play about it. That's... They never do announce anything for the settlement period because they're still just trying to stick it to Jerry any way they can, but still mailing it in. Yep. But IWTV had a lot going on this week. Uh, IKW No Bard got a Pit Fighter X show on Friday night. Uh, two shows I want to bring up in particular, Friday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 o'clock Eastern, Freelance Wrestling, presenting Black Halo. I got a nice show there. Uh, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, Blitzkrieg Pro presents Murky Me live on IWTV. And the main event of that one is a first-round match in the T4 Summit. Bookie taking on MFP. Winning t- winning team there will go on to New Year's weekend for the IW- IWTV Tag Team title. Oh, uh, Freelance also has a show on on Saturday at seven o'clock Central Time, eight o'clock Eastern. Wait, wait, they're not going to let Bussy win the i the the IWT the I, IWTV titles. There's no way a GCW tag team is going to win the IWTV type tag titles. If, if even if we assume they win the first round match, which they very well may, they've got to win three matches New Year's weekend. Right, and there's just re- no way. <laughs> do you really do you really think if Bookie take on Violent Good Forever that that book and going to win that match. No, I do not. Okay, I, 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 I don't think we have anything to worry about there. Okay, I'm also, just making sure. Also, unrelated on their on their Twitter page, GCW does have a card for the uh, Providence show. Anything interesting on it? Oh, uh, let's see. I uh, got you. Um, buh, 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 second gear. <laughs> Second gear. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Maki Maki Ito's on the card. She's taking on Masha Slamovich. Oh, that could be interesting. Well, well look at that. That's the uh, egg in our face, so to speak. John uh, Gresham's taking on Speedball. Oh, wait. He's I not sh- retired? I thought he was retired. No, he was on the PWG show the other week. Oh, so he's uh, another one of those things. Okay. Uh, seems like uh, they just signed uh, Second Gear Crew is taking on John Wayne Mardock, uh, Sawyer Wreck, and Dark Sheik. Ooh. So that, should be a, that should be a banger. I've been very obsessed with Sawyer Wreck lately. Just love Sawyer Wreck. Okay, that GKW's card does not count that, that, uh, all that bad. Uh, Freelance Doug have another show on Saturday, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. They're calling it They Call Me Boombot. Calvin Tankman and Brian Keith for the Freelance Underground Championship is the main event. And a first round match in the T4 Summit, the Bang Broke against Two Infinity and Beyond. That should be really good. I can't wait. And I, yeah, I think either team win that one. I think going to be a good call. Yeah. And all kinds of other action. Uh, West Coast Pro and PWR are doing King of the Indie on Saturday night, ten o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Central. Got a, a Flop House and Burke Paradigm Joint Show Sunday at five o'clock Eastern. Oh, all kinds of good stuff going on. Check your local life thinking, your local streaming service for availability. Uh, with that, we do have a one minute interview. So let's go to home office himself, Charlie Butter. He's going to uh, take a minute or so with Jacqueline Navarro. 
This is Charlie Butters with another one-minute interview, and today I'm with Jocelyn Navarro. Hogan or Savage? Oh, fuck, Savage. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Booker T or Stevie Ray? Uh, Booker T. Favorite candy? Uh, Reese Sticks. Doors or tables? Oh, fuck, tables. Favorite energy drink? Uh, C4. NWO White and Black or NWO Wolfpack? Oh, shit. Uh, white and Black. <laughs> Biggest fear? Oh, fuck, spiders. Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart? Ooh, Shawn Michaels. Favorite animal? Uh, bunnies. Austin or The Rock? Oh, fuck, The Rock. <laughs> Favorite road snack? Uh, I don't know, chips, chips. ECW or TNA? ECW. Sheets or Wawa? Sheets. Eddie Guerrero or Rey Mysterio? Eddie Guerrero. Favorite dipping sauce? Uh, ranch. Stunner or Diamond Cutter? Stunner. Favorite movie? Friday. Edge or Jeff Hardy? Ooh, Edge. Favorite song? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, right now? Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, Pure Cocaine by Lil Baby. Okay. <laughs> and that has been another one-minute interview. Thank you for that, Butter. And I absolutely agree with you, Jocelyn. Fuck Spider. And I will say, uh, Jocelyn is uh, absolutely my favorite uh, independent wrestling woman right now. Uh, she is got all of that stuff going on she's become that person who you can call on to wrestle anybody on on any tv ready talent and any talent on the indies so uh you know good for her for getting more exposure and uh, good on home office from getting a chance to grab her i think when we when we come in uh for hell on earth we're going to grab a whole bunch more of these um one minute interviews and and see what we can get but um yeah glad to see jocelyn getting getting some more spotlight with us especially all right, so we've got a going to probably be a fairly lengthy review, but we're going to go ahead and get right to that. The weekly review. All right, and this week we are going all the way back to May fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Break the barrier from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This was really uh, what considered the first independent wrestling supercard. There. Something like 12 different promotions represented over the course of the show. This was a super card like Bizarro is to Superman. Uh, This is exactly what that super in in quotations would be. Uh, I'm going to say if you were following independent wrestling in 1998, 1999, this was on paper a very good lineup with a couple of exceptions that we will definitely get into if we we go along here. Was it though? The, the promoter of the show was Al Igak, who ran a website called Scoop Wrestling. Before the Observer had an online presence, before PW Insider was a thing, Scoop Wrestling was the site to go to for wrestling news. Even if he did stay for like two years, that Alec Wright was going to turn heel before he finally turned heel. That was actually a running joke after a while. So he, and he got together and he pulled up promotions not only from the Northeast, but he got promotions from the Carolinas, from Florida, from California on, on, on the show. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talent from all over the country representing you know, a lot of the major companies from the from the era. Some of that, some of that, I use the word talent is doing a lot of heavy lifting. I would say. <laughs> well, 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 we'll get into it. I I got some good things about the show. I got some, a lot of bad things about the show. I think it can be a very fun, very interesting show for everybody this, here. This also has to be, I think, the first indie wrestling show I've seen that has a fucking content warning at the beginning of it. <laughs> <laughs> you were in a Christian, it could 
What was it? It's violence, humor, sexual content. <laughs> yeah, there was a uh, there was zero seeing... humor. I would say. Yeah, we're, we're using humor loosely there. I didn't right. laugh that whole hell of a lot here, but <laughs> not not once. Okay, so our backstage interviewer, a guy named Remy Ortega. I'm not gonna lie, I have no idea who the guy is. I never saw him before. I've never seen him since. I think they literally just pulled someone off the street and they're like, do interviews. Right. Like as Marcy says, when, when she sees something, she, she needs a second to kind of gather when she's like, okay, so here let's, let's take this, this guy. And I said it to you before we started should never, ever be allowed near a microphone ever. This was the most uncomfortable, unnatural sounding person to hype up matches I have ever seen in my, in, and, and we have watched many, many hours of independent wrestling. And this could be the least uh, capable and competent human being holding a microphone. And we have seen so many. Very low energy, too. <laughs> I mean, I have never seen a backstage commentator not know what the gimmick's going to be and then come out and go, hey, uh, what do you think? That guy was talking a lot of shit, right? And then he just kind of <laughs> stood there. And that which was lends, every interview. Which lends to my theory. He was just pulled off the streets. <laughs> he just some honestly, random Philly dude. It was, yeah. And he, he sounded unsure of himself. He sounded like he's never spoken to another human being before. And it just added, at first I was like, okay, maybe he's just a little nervous. And when the show gets rolling, he's going to like find his groove. But was I wrong? He was, it was the same I have no clue who's coming in when he goes, I'm going to try to grab this guy. And he goes, hey, guy, come here. And the guy gets <laughs> right off the camera. And he's like, what are you going to do about that? That guy was back here talking all that shit about you. And the other guy was like, what did he say? And he's, I mean, it was the most, it was like Chris Farley on a unfunny level trying to do an interview. Yeah. So, so his opening statement here, he tells him, don't the butcher here. He doesn't know what I'm doing the butcher here for. He tells him, Shane Douglas here. And then we cut to an interview, uh, an interview in the back with Stevie Richards regarding Shane Douglas. Now, Stevie's going to talk about Shane Douglas. You assume it could be Stevie Richards against Shane Douglas, right? Correct. Wrong. <laughs> Shane Douglas is in the building, but he apparently got a broken ankle. So Shane's going to pick Stevie Component. Now, I, without getting into a lot of heavy detail, I know Shane Douglas was bo initially booked for the ECW pay-per-view that went the next night. And he and there was a legitimate injury there, but there was also a lot of shit between whether he was going to show up or not show up because Heyman would pay him or not pay him or what the fuck ever. Because I how cause whether the ankle whether we've actually got a broken ankle or what the actual injury is or how cute the injury was, I to this day I don't know. Also, oh. Stevie Richards admonishes him for saying shit and then says shit immediately after. <laughs> and Stevie Richards was almost like didn't know how to cut a promo. Like this is a very raw Stevie Richards, too. This was pre-WWE Stevie Richards. It was very raw. I figured when he came on the camera, he was going to cut something good like he used to with Raven. And it almost sounded very mailed in, but it, I, I, I mean, maybe you could give me a little background, Jayhawk, but like it was almost like nobody expected to be running at this arena, and everybody was just kind of in shock that the show actually started. <laughs> they, they ever, the show being heavily advertised, so I, I, I don't think that was it. But just what it felt like. It felt like it felt like none of the, the talent was like ready to be on television. Oh, uh, in, in fairness, like a like a VHS rip, like like, for, like that could have been filmed for by. But I don't want to mention the company name. It's probably an R and video release. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting this to be seen by any, anything more than a handful of people anyway. But we go from there. We got Remy Ortega in the back with Mike Quackenbush. And before, oh. Quack, and before Quackenbush can say anything, Don Montoya and Lou Marconi both interrupt the interview. They could like every AEW backstage interview ever. What do you think? Except, except what do you this think? one so, somehow turns into a fucking Three Stooges bit. And which even then with, was incredibly outdated. And you have that guy, Remy Ortega, trying to moderate that conversation. <laughs> it was just complete anarchy. <laughs> Having that buffoon try to moderate the conversation was one of the worst. <laughs> Controlled the interview. He lost control. He never, ever got it back. <laughs> yeah, go for those county. We've got three pre tape and no matches so far, turning into an episode of Raw. Then we finally go out to the ring with Al Ike in the ring to introduce Shane Douglas. And we for the a, first 15 minutes of the. We get a pan of the crowd first. For the first like 15 minutes of the show, the audio quality changes based on which camera they're on. Because <laughs> they're literally using the microphone on the camera to mic this fucking show. I was gonna say half like the time it sounds like commentary is like doing a fucking 1920s news broadcast. And, and so Shane Douglas comes out. His foot does not look broken. I'm not seeing a walking boot or anything. Now he had not ruffled in about a month before. Like he doesn't ruffle for about three weeks after this. I did look that up. So like he can he got some cord of injury somewhere. It's just not. I don't think it can hear it what they're talking. Now I love Shane Douglas. I love Shane Douglas promo. But there's 13 matches on this show, and Shane will not shut up. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's taking credit for getting ECW on pay-per-view during the thing. It's like, ECW's not here tonight. I know you're using their building, but they're not here. You got to remind them over and over and over again. You're in the ECW arena over and over and over again. Finally, Douglas called out Stevie Richard. Uh, Richard apparently had suffered a collapsed lung at the hands of Jimmy Kukro and Tom Brandy at a recent show. So Shane is going to be a three-way match. He's going to get a chance to get revenge on both of them tonight. This t- we're, th- we're almost 20 minutes into the show by the end of the promo. I think we had to change the VHS tape a few times. Yeah. <laughs> we then get ready to go to our first match. We've got Al Igick and Bob Levy on commentary. They are fucking horrible. Oh, God. And we are going to get are- it. And as the show goes on, I know Mark, you've got a ton of notes. Look, I'm These- just saying, if this was a video podcast, there would be a fucking slur counter on this. I mean... You're, you couldn't be more right. These were like two aging mobsters uh, from Atlantic City. They gave a microphone to, and they're like, do you guys know what this is? And they're like, yeah, it's some sort of combat, you know. And then they just started going. I mean, they just were throwing slurs and just blathering on about things. They have no idea who was wrestling. They called some guy the big guy. They called some guy the little guy. <laughs> this guy this guy should be going to the air. Hey, what do you think about that? You know, it was, this was some of the worst. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> oh, Before Lord. the bell even rings, I think we get like four or five different homophobic remarks. Right. It was so bad. It's all uh, all through the fucking twenties news radio filter going on right now. Oh yeah, and I and I don't know who this Bob Levy guy even is. Like I don't know if he did any other wrestling announcing. It wasn't a comedian, right? What get the same guy at the comedian? I don't know. I'm I'm wondering was it if it was the comedian? If it was the the Bob Levy from the old days? Yeah, I don't know. Like a good question. I don't know. Yeah, if anybody's yeah. listening, uh, if anybody watches it while they're listening in today with us, let us know if you know, if you've seen this show or if you know if it is like the Reverend Bob Levy or somebody like that. But it sounded terrible. 
It, that is possible, but I know he did wrestle for a little bit at one point. So that's not out of the realm of possibility, but I honestly don't know. Yeah, I do know. I I, I do know that Ally was not a was not a commentator of any court, and, and we could tell. Yeah, absolutely. Like like you remember the early like the first twelve or thirteen weeks of Raw where they had Rob Bartlett on commentary. Yeah, these guys were worse than Rob Bartlett, and I loved Rob Bartlett. <laughs> Rob Bartlett and the Macho Man. Could have been some of the best television we had in, in the Raw era in the early nineties. And we we get finally get our opening match. It is the for the Steel City Wrestling Lord of the Dance Championship. Beef Stew Lou Marconi, accompanied by Hotshot Drew Ligario, taking on the Ghetto Cooper Star Don Montoya, taking on Lightning Mike Quackenbush. So interesting rule for this one. They're going to do a coin flip to determine who gets a buy. The guy who gets the buy can enter the match whenever he wants to enter the match, as long as he gets in there before there's a pinfall. So and then as your as your as the notorious hater of three way dances on this podcast, what is your take on this rule stipulation? I like the three way a lot better than a lot of current three way. Uh, the 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 coin flip and the buy I could take or leave like that then didn't bother me in the lead. Um, but, yeah, I just didn't like this match, but. Look at this match is fucking terrible. No, this ma- match is too long. This match too long. Yeah, I mean, if this ma- this match would have been twelve minutes instead of fifteen, yeah. But I mean, you've got you got you know, Quack and Bush is the smallest guy in the match. He's starting with Don Montoya. Yeah, he can actually out wrestling Montoya, getting him down early, even though there's like a hundred and five pound weight difference. Marconi coming in at about the five minute mark. They do a three-way handshake, then all three throw a punch at the same time, which everybody, which knocked everybody down, and somehow Drew Ligario gets knocked out of the ring from this. He didn't even get hit. Try to figure that one out. This is the point where I know that commentary is fucking bad, and we've got three more hours of this shit. Well, you didn't realize it before the match? <laughs> I, I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. About five minutes, it took all about five minutes for me to go, okay, that was a bad idea. I thought it was going to change. Didn't you mention, I have to go back in my text. I thought you said that they were, that it was just in the beginning. But then I did, I realized that these guys didn't change the entire time. No, that I had not, I only I had only watched the first couple of matches when I sent that text. I had no idea oh. what was going on after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, like I, I I I honestly enjoyed this match quite a bit, and I know he percolating on Guarder right now. But Quackenbush is the star. And Quackenbush is doing all kinds of cool shit, especially for the time he's doing he's doing a springboard corkscrew dive. He's doing tornado DDT. I mean, was it ever? But was it ever something where people were like, "He's not a good wrestler"? Because he is a good wrestler. He might not be a good person, but he was a good wrestler, and he always seemed to be in the highlights in like the early, late '90s, early 2000s. You could find some really great Quackenbush highlights all over the place. Yeah, the They're wrestling cap- was never a problem with him. It was everything right, right. else. Everything. No, they, <laughs> yeah, they're absolutely reek, and Mike Quackenbush had gone this show. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because he was getting all that he was getting all the hype, and he was damn good. And he showed it here. Uh, there, there's a spot where Quack going for a tornado DDT. Montoya countered into a get out power bomb, and he gets there with the cover, and the referee is staring at it, going, "Oh shit!" And then start counting. <laughs> yeah. Legario <laughs> is starting to work on Quack on the floor while Marconi and Montoya fighting in the ring. Did Shane Douglas come back out take out Drew Legario? Montoya then pins Marconi with a flash off the middle rope, and that leads to the immortal line that you quoted in a tech mark. You know, let you handle it. <laughs> beef stew, beef stew is off the menu. <laughs> that was probably the bright spot of commentary in this entire show. <laughs> yeah. Qu- 
Quack and Quack and Voice the King Flash about a minute or so later. We get a bunch of false finishes before Quack get the I, what I guess is supposed to be a Hurricane Rana. This is also the point where commentary is like exclusively referring to them as the big guy and the little guy. <laughs> yep. Oh. Yeah. The match goes 14 minutes and 51 seconds. Mike Quackenbush wins the Steel Kitty Wrestling Lord of the Rings Championship. Only defended in a three-way dance. Sorry, Lord of the Damp title. I think I said Lord of the Rings. Did anybody actually dance? Because I don't think there was any dancing going they on. They did that little kick, the jump kick thingy. And then and then the commentary is, oh, they're bowing like they're in Japan. <laughs> For, for the record, according to Cage Match, there was literally one defense of the title before the before Steel Kitty Reckling closed. <laughs> <laughs> it was defended again uh, in July, and that would get. Oh they yeah, really brought all they brought all the stars were out tonight for this show. All the big companies. Okay, well, this one gets fun here. We've got one for the Maryland Championship Reckling Heavyweight Championship. Romeo Valentino challenges the champion, Headbanger Mosh. Headbanger Mosh is not only still with the WWF at this point, but he is doing the Beaver Cleavage gimmick. And they let us know a bunch of times. Yeah, the announcers, that's what they went off of, the Beaver Cleavage (laughs) lines, over and over. The crowd was chanting, where's your mother at one point? There's one guy in the crowd that heckled Mosh, because the crowd starts heckling that guy. That's the highlight of this match, folks. This match is super short, and it's really basic. It's really simple. It's okay. At best, it's just it's really short. It's not, it doesn't get any time to breathe. Valentino pulls the referee into Mosh and Kip attack. Oh, I think there's another great, fantastic line. I think it's this match where they say, he's slapping him like the neighbor's kid. <laughs> wow, I missed that. Wow. Yeah! <laughs> Child abuse, woo! At, at one point, I believe headbanger Thrasher comes in, doesn't he? Doesn't Glenn yeah. Ruth make an appearance? Yeah, after the referee goes down, that gives Thrasher a chance to come in. They hit the stage dive. Mosh gets the pin in 525. I forget what they call the stage dive. They didn't call it that. They called it something completely different. I think they called it the Mosh Pit. Something like that. This is also the shortest time I've ever seen a ref down from a bump. So this is like, this ref's, uh, his endurance is super high. When he filled out a stat sheet for the D&D game, he made sure he gave him cover going case. Okay, so from there, we have another three-way dance. For the APWF Heavyweight Championship, the white guy, Jimmy Cuthrow, defending against Stevie Richard and Tom Brandy. Oh, and then Tom we, get, Brandy. we get a Tom Brandy promo with numerous slurs. Yeah, it I, went I, on forever. Yeah, uh, I, I, know, I know he did a hard R at one point during that. All I wrote down was a very cancelable promo. It went on forever. He, in his stupid Salvador San Siro, or whatever the hell outfit he was wearing, it never ended. He did not stop talking. I was just like, please, God, Tom Brandy, shut the fuck up. No one cares about you at all. Like, he decided that night he was going to be the lead heel in the whole show. Remember how he used to also wrestle as the Patriots so he could try to charge uh, companies twice? I thought, no, the Patriot was Del Wilkes. No, yes, it, no. it was, but after the fact, he started using the Patriot gimmick. Oh, I and he would do that. both so he could double charge promoters. Yeah, Del, oh when Del Wilkes retired, he sold the right to the gimmick to Tom Brandy, and Tom Brandy was doing the both Tom Brandy and then oh. the Patriot. And sometimes he'd come to gear too. Sometimes he'd work three times, try gotta to get, get three rate. Gotta get paid. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, it's my, just... my, my favorite Tom Brandy moment is he playing the white meat baby fake in WTW. They do a pay-per-view in Philadelphia, and the crowd are chanting for the heel hardcore the entire the entire night because they don't like white meat baby fake. 
mean, that's literally like the highlight of Tom Brady's career getting booed out of the building in Philadelphia at the Philadelphia Civic Center. Well, they gave him they gave it to him in this one too, and I, I was booing him out of my my off of my television screen because he was just awful. I was just waiting for the match to start. And then once it started, I was waiting for it to end. I think it's not that good. Nope. Also, I'm I'm glad uh, Jimmy Sister was not wearing black trunks because I was. That's the only thing that prevented for me from calling him uh, Dollar Dollar Tree uh, Stone Cold. Oh, I was going to say that he looked just like Stone Cold. I was like, <laughs> oh my god! And then I saw the purple tights. I'm like, phew, he was not going to be Stone Cold on that evening, but he <laughs> saved himself. Right. Good lord. All right. Go. Okay, again, this one part of the, part of it is we we've seen a three way dance like ten minutes before this, like like they were too close to together on the card, I think. And this one had Tom Brandy in it, so and this one had Tom Brandy in it. <sighs> Tom Brandy. So all three guys coming to ring, they all get entrance, and then all the kind of like the weird jump cut, and the match already started, and and Brandy and Kicker are double teaming Richard. Oh, the, but there's also the part where Stevie Richards was chasing him around the ring, and Tom Brady just kept going, "Hey, brother! Hey, brother!" Oh yeah, that was really weird. I did not. I now that you're <laughs> jogging my memory again, what was that? What was going on there? So I think the deal is, um, Brandy and Cesaro jumped Stevie Richards. Of I don't know what what show, but they ju- jumped him at some show and like sent him to the hospital. Right. And this was him getting revenge. That's why Shane Douglas gave him the match. No, but what was the hey brother thing going around the ring over oh, and over? Oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> it was so strange. Nowadays, the fans would have torn, chewed you up, and spit you out if you tried to pull that shit. It's unbelievable those fans didn't react negatively to that. Yeah. So commentary says that this is going to be different than the than the first three way match, but the first pinfall is going to win. Uh, we get a spot early on where they strip Stevie Richard down to his underwear. Oh yeah, and they at one point they're like, "Oh, he looks like he's wrestling naked because he's wearing beige." underpants and then like Stevie like you can hit wrestling trunk as a weapon because they're like that pleather those pleather pants yeah yeah so he's starting to use them as a weapon this felt like it went a lot longer than it did and partly because this was a glorified handicap match most of the way it was just double teaming double teaming double teaming like we get it yeah in hindsight maybe this uh Shane Douglas's idea to help Stevie Richards get some revenge wasn't as well thought out no I, I, no on paper <laughs> on paper not really a good idea it, it worked out in the end for him but Oh. We finally get we finally get to the point where the heels are arguing with each other over who's going to get the pin. TV ends up kicking both guys in the dick at the same time, and the referee felt it. Richard pins Kicker with a power bomb, and guess what? It's, it's not elimination. A it is elimination. The fucking promoter is on commentary and doesn't know the fucking rules to the match. Well, they everyone, were on a bunch. That happened everyone a bunch. was confused about it too. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and then about a minute or so later, Stevie Richard Cooper uh, hit the Stevie kick on Brady and get the pin, win the title. Eleven minutes and forty-seven seconds is what's shown. Based on that jump cut, it could have been actually longer than that. <sighs> yeah, I wonder why they did that jump cut. Like, not to get back to it, but it was it was it, it was so incredibly noticeable. So I don't know if there's just like a major like fuck up with the video or there's just something so bad they're like fuck it we gotta get rid of this the show is like exactly three and a half hours i think they're just trying to get it to fit on the fucking tape that makes sense but you cut out entrances then that seems to be the most logical thing it's hard to edit old betamax tapes marcy i'm pretty sure (laughs) (laughs) now come on i think it's 1999 we're a little bit past beta at that point dvds are technically a thing then they were a very new thing but they were still a thing Okay, then we then cut into the back. Remy Ortega interview Julio Canchek and then interview Cuball Carmichael. But they are they are our next matchup. Another gem of an interview by Remy Ortega. 
Also, Q-Ball had this shirt that said CWR. I was trying to figure out what it said under the C. And I think it just said, it was just Q-Ball. I'm like, what? What? Do you have your own world order? Yeah, it's yeah, the Q-Ball world order, CWL. Oh, my God. It was, I remember at 1999, NWO still, well, I, I'm not going to say they're still hot, but WKB was under that decline, but. Any, but any NWO uh, uh, ripoff shirt was going to make money back then in those days. Pretty much. I yeah. don't know. I don't think there's anyone wearing a, a Q-Ball World Order shirt. <laughs> he's, he, he's not on TV because he wants to hurt people. He doesn't care about winning. <laughs> and if anybody wants to know later, we'll put the link in our uh, Brain Buster Tees page for the Q-Ball World Order t-shirts. <laughs> okay. I feel, yeah, I feel bad that we're kind of shit-talking Q-Ball Carmichael. I've I know Cubal Carmichael. I've yeah, I've done interviews with him on other podcasts. I like Cubal Carmichael. Not shitting on him as much as the whole situation that he was put in. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, everybody had an NWO knockoff T-shirt in 1999. Hard to hard to fault him Correct. too bad here. Yeah. Okay. So looking for the IPWA Heavyweight Championship. IPWA is the Independent Professional Wrestling Alliance, which was pretty much done by the end of 1999. Maybe the first part of 2000 might have made it, might have t- hit the first of the year. Yeah, that one show, one show in, two, in March of 2000, I wore that. That was the end there. So, match, the match here, again, it's pretty big. You got Julio Kanchuk, a quick, speedy guy. He, you can speed and take control early. Duval Carmichael got a manager who's interfering liberally. Way too liberally. Like, way too liberally. At least Duval Carmichael distracting the referee, and the referee not being interference. I mean, that could have been much worse. It's a decent old school match. I actually, I actually kind of liked the match, with the exception of yeah, too much Wait, with the manager interference. I, was he? Was that Julio De Niro, by the way? The same dude. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was like, why is he? Why was he going by Julio De Niro? He was Julio De Niro in ECW. He wasn't in ECW yet. Oh my God! Really? Ninety nine? Really? Oh. Yeah, he, yeah, Julio De Niro. I don't think started. I'll double check exactly when he started in ECW. I can pull that up pretty easily. But yeah, it wasn't until it wasn't until after this. He was Uncle Julio Fantastico for a while, but he wrestled at the right. Hero of Wrestling pay-per-view underneath that name later that year, actually. Right, I, I remember we do that. that show. Yeah, we got to do that. I thought that was one of Marcy's favorites. While you're looking that up, I'm just going to say how much I hate the fucking ending to this match. Yeah, look, okay, look like February of 2000, and he's still actually Julio Fantastico when he started in ECW, and that's February of 2000. Oh, okay. It's not until he ended up running with Kirk Hamrick that he'd go by the Julio De Niro name. Julio De Niro and Iki Money at the tag team at that point. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that, but the ending, man. The ending, so the, end, the ending, stupid. The, the ending of old school wrestling, I've seen it done a ton, and I it never made any sense to me, even even when it was a widely done finish. Cubo Carmichael right. has a forward object. He goes to you, get Kanchek, grab it from him, hit Carmichael with it instead, get the pin. We get several cloak of, of the object, which is literally just tape. It's just sitting yeah. there in the ring, like in sight of the ref's view. Yeah. And then the manager grabs the object, put in the can check a tight, and then tells the referee, he got a forward object in the tight. Which, how do you not know this fucking dude is just grabbing at your fucking tights? Right? And furthermore, the ref didn't even see it, so you can't even. Yeah, but like all of a sudden it's. In... But because he got caught with this tape that was apparently supposed to be brass knuckles or something, the referee reverted to the decision, QR Carmichael retains the title. That's. I because, thought the referee's decision was final, and once he calls it, like that's what the deal is. They, they, they like an old nineteen eighty Southern wreckling finish. I mean, I, I, I fucking hate it so much. It's I'm dumb. I'm just gonna say that. Yep. 
Look, it's not even the worst finish of the night, by the way. Tradition is sometimes tradition is stupid and should be forgotten. This is this is one of those cases. Well, they were even kind of yuking the finish. They actually used the finish in WWF in the Attitude Era a couple of times. Ken Shamrock and The Rock. Shamrock would beat The Rock and he reversed the decision over something. Call with the brass knuckle one time when it released the ankle lock another time. Like WWF was yuking the finish a year before that. It's oh, it doesn't matter who uses it. I just think it's stupid. Yeah. But well, anyways. So from there, I commentary call gets get for the NWA New Jersey Hardcore Championship. I've got it being for the Combat Zone Wrestling Interpromotional Hardcore Championship. And then a staple gun match between Hardcore Nick Gage and Justice Payne. MDK all fucking day. And I and the, I and I tell you, it, I, I we're twenty three years later. It doesn't even look like the same guy. And like look at young, look at young baby face Nick Gage. And when I say baby face Nick Gage, I mean he had a baby face. The the most ridiculous part of this match in the very beginning was that it didn't seem like neither of the Gage brothers uh, knew what the rules were. That that they kept trying to pin each other without getting the staple gun and. It was just ridiculous. The ref would go and look for a pin and then be like, no. Well, why are you even going down for a pin, ref? Just but stand he- there and tell the idiots to stand up. But I- here's I also to- the thing. Just, uh, so eventually Justice Payne grabs the like the staple gun off the thing, and the ref was ready to call the match. Yeah, he treated it just like a ladder match. Like, just, okay, you retrieved the staple gun, that's it. All right, well, here's the thing. Like, I can kind of justify if, yeah, if pinfall don't count, the referee getting down, putting, getting eye level with the guy, being like, hey, no, no pin. Looking at my eye, I can kind of, I can kind of see that. I feel like the ref just decided, you know, these are the rules in my head that I'm going to make up. Yep. Yeah. Let me, but take a shot every time they went for a pin before they went for the staple gun. I, I think, I think we had four, four covered before anybody actually went for the staple gun. I, I would have to agree. Look, I still got a kick out of seeing Baby Nick Gage, so that was, that was enough for me. Yeah. It took seven minutes before anybody even grabbed the ladder. They, you know, we, you know, we get the when we do get the staple gun. Justice Payne gets the staple gun and he go tells the referee not to end the match. And I'm going, go wait a minute. So there are no pinfalls. We've established that. So we got the so he retrieved the staple gun. So if there's no pinfall, how the fuck does the match end? And then the referee count the three count and then there's a pin on cheek and fucking crank. <laughs> like I, I enjoyed said, the, I my, enjoyed the match, but fuck. My theory is they like Gage and Jeff Payne, they had their match planned out and they were doing it, and the ref just decided the own rules in his head. <laughs> And the, the highlight of this match is they do go to the top of the Eagle's Nest at the EQW Arena and Gage take the big bump off the top of the Eagle's Nest. Somebody yep. had to do it at the EQW Arena. That's why he's the king. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it, it's weird, but it's like the action itself at this point of the show, I've really enjoyed for the most part. But the booking and the confusion on the rule, it's like none of this shit should have happened. And then after this, this is where it really starts going downhill. <laughs> after this? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm being a lot more positive on this show than you two are. I mean, I understand that. The next match is actually pretty decent, if not if not a little bit short. The Tennessee Volunteer of Reno Riggins and Stephen Dunn taking on the Bad Street Boy, Christian York and Joey Matthews. Now, and- Matthews and York were, I mean, they, they came in, what, at the end of WCW? They came at the end uh, of ECW. Oh, they weren't in WCW with um with Air Paris and those guys. No, I don't think so. They were in. I'm pretty sure they were in ECW till the very end. Now they did go to okay. TNA after. Oh, yeah. TNA. That's that's right. Okay, they had, they had their they, little TNA and Ring of Honor run. And the, and those guys I knew right away. And Reno Riggins with hair, like okay, let's do it. Like that was a match I knew all those guys, and I I like 
Matthews in York a lot. Um, it, it, you know, it, a weird spot to see them in, in on an old Betamax tape, but um, not a bad match. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty old school. It's the Tennessee Volunteers for the heel. They've got Joey Matthews in the ring for a lot of it. We get the hot tag to York. Uh, York has Riggins pinned at one point, but the referee spends like a minute and a half focusing on Dunn and Matthews on the floor. Then when Dunn returns to the ring, the referee is still focusing on Matthew for some reason, and that allows Dunn to hit York with the chair and get the uh, and cut up the pin. Match only goes a little bit over six minutes. Again, bad finish, though. Why did the referee bother focusing on the floor after one of the guys came back in the ring? I don't get it. Because, shut up, that's why. <laughs> Good matchup <laughs> until that point, but another bad finish. Mm-hmm. And again, not the worst finish on the card. We then go back to the back, and Remy Ortega interviewing Natron Steele, who's focusing more on James Thurston for some reason than on an actual opponent for this show. And then we get an interview with Scab after the fact. Scab. <laughs> oh, but, good Lord. Never, never trust a scab. That's, you know, anti-union motherfucker. <laughs> it was, uh, I had no idea what was going on here. None. So the match is for the WWO heavyweight title. It is a ladder match. Natron Steel, the champion, accompanied by Roger Kerr, defending against Gab. Basically two ladder matches on one show. Two ladder matches on one show. Uh, I have no information about the WWO. I have spent three days trying to find anything on the WWO. I've got nothing. Like even on cage match where it's a WWO heavyweight title ladder match, like they don't have a link to the hit title history. Like there's nothing. All I have to say is uh, Nation Steel looks like a really jacked up Ego Raptor. I just hope he hasn't said any racial slurs like Ego Raptor has. I don't know who that is. Don't worry about it. I think that one of those uh, you and I are old, so we're not going to get the reference. The no, I, have to, I always the have kids, to ask The kids Marcy. will know. Yeah. So they spend a lot more time using any furniture beside the ladder than actually using the ladder. So why bother with the ladder match? James Thurston comes out and attacks Steel and Kerr. Best thing I can tell, they used to be tag team partners. And he was the owner, and I guess, because in Nature's promo, he was like, I'm the owner now, basically. I run the show. I'm, I'm the captain. <laughs> now yeah. I'm making outdated references. Holy shit. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that one. Steel, try, Steel and Gab are both climbing the ladder. Gab knocks Steel off the ladder. He goes through two tables. Gab grabs the belt, wins the title, 11 minutes and four seconds. This was one of the worst ladder matches I've ever seen. It was very bad. Yep. Not great. Not great at all. Quite and the again, opposite, actually. The, the exact <laughs> opposite of great. Yeah. And, and again, you only had you had a ladder match. You had a short match, like a buffer. Then you had another ladder match. Like, why couldn't, like... One of those ladder matches go where that second three-way match went. And because the, it was very and, obvious that dude in the back, uh, whatever his face is, the really bad interviewer was probably putting together some of these match cards. That's why he was so unprepared for his backstage interviews. <laughs> this guy that they pulled off the street. Right. It's also, also the one deciding the order of the card. <laughs> hey, you want to book a match? Sure, uh, sure. <laughs> this big guy and this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we got more interviews in the back. Great, we get to see more of Remy. He interviewed Derek Stone, then he interviewed his opponent, Steve Sharp. Steve Sharp, I was not familiar with before watching this. This dude got had a good look. He had charisma. And and the match itself, when we get into it here, I enjoyed his work in this match for the most part. Like, I don't know why he's looking a bigger star. 
He's currently at all the tools. So we've got we, we've got though it's a technical death match for the World Legion Wrestling Heavyweight Championship, which would become the World League Wrestling Championship. Prince Derek Stone, the champion. Steve Sharp, the challenger. WLW, a Harley Racing promotion out of McMurray. Dylan Nick Gibson. Uh, I, I don't I don't know who's actually running it right now, but it's Dylan Nick Gibson. And it's just the ghost that Harley Race is still running it. And Derek Stone, for the record, still ruckles for them. 23 <laughs> years later. They claim, that they claim that Derek Stone is managed by the Sheik, but there's no kind of anybody looking like a Sheik. I'm not sure what's going on with that. I'm not even sure. Like, look at the original Sheik. Look at just a guy dressed like a Sheik. I don't know. Stone comes in the ring and cut a promo in the ring, even though we just had a pre-tape. We got to hear the same guy talk twice for no apparent reason. And he wanted no cursing from the crowd, but then cursed himself. Now, they've, now I was going to get this is a technical death match. The reason it's a technical death match, according to commentary... And I and I laughed. And I had to actually pause this for like I paused this because I laughed for like a minute straight. They can get technical death match because the steel cage that they were supposed to use for this match was damaged and he couldn't put it up. <laughs> I can't believe there's gonna be a fucking cage match on this show too. <laughs> yeah, so this is more of the traditional technical death match at fall count anywhere. There are pinfalls. Commentary plaking off like you've got a 30 count to get back to the ring after the pinfall. I thought a 30 second get back to your feet. We'll get into that in a little bit. The confusion plaking into the finish. Oh, it's. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I like the first time Keen Sharp in the opening minute, he dug a dive. He dug a mickle drop kick. He's a big dude. He can move. He, again, he got a good look. He got charisma. Like, I'm into this. This guy doing well. They go. They fight on the floor. They brawl to a concession stand. It's an actual concession stand, and not something roped off like WCW used to do. That there was no possible fucking way anybody could have gotten to. Fantastic. Sharp pitching a form of a pedigree for the first pin. They go back in the ring. Stone gets control. He got the bulk of the second fall. He brings out handcuffs. Hits Sharp with them. Get the get get the pin. Go about six minutes in. Each guy got a fall. Third fall start. Actually, before the third fall start, they're fighting on the floor. Stone handcuffs Sharp to a photographer, and apparently they didn't pardon up the photographer. It's this guy trying to do everything he can not get fucking handcuffed. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> either. Would you blame him? No, but like, it wasn't like it wasn't like he was like trying to struggle for the show. Like, I looked like he legitimately did not know he was he was going to be you for this spot. He but probably he, didn't. Right. But Knowing this show, they didn't tell him along <laughs> with the backstage interviewer. <laughs> yeah. So, but but finally. They handcuff Sharp to the photographer. Don't walk in the ring. The referee just now starts the 30 count. They apparently got to get back in the ring. Oh, he, he has to roll the photographer into the ring first in order to roll him himself. He, he barely gets in. It's a minute and 47 seconds between the time of the pinfall and the time he rolled back in the ring. And we're being very lean with the 30 second thing. Oh, it's also, well, I feel like you can't make contact. You gotta, like, I thought that's the general rule of like the Texas death match. Is you don't make like after you get the pinfall, you're not making contact, but usually you get to their feet not to get back to the ring. This was once again very poorly explained. Yes. So almost immediately after the fall start, Sharp grabs the photographer, you can make a weapon. The referee counts to three, and the match is over. There's no 30 count, there's no announcement of a winner. Commentary trying to pack it off as well. The photographer wasn't part of the match, but the match is over. After well, those I, idiots on commentary had no idea what was going on. No, no one. Now, actually, first they said, but because the pin was in the ring, the match went over like Sharp won it. And then yeah. they said it was no contest because the photographer was involved. 
Either way, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. I I love this match, and this fucking finish killed it. Love is a strong word. I did not like this match, but you you say love, so okay. I thought the I would get into this. That was great. That that last two minutes and that fucking finish, and then and then when Sharp got unhooked, got handcuffed from the photographer, he called the photographer, jumped to fucking do it. This poor photographer. Okay, so we have Remy in the back. He cutting a promo on a stretcher. Then he trying to interview Max Justice regarding his opponent, Boyce Legrand, but Justice just kind of pushing Grimmy out of the way, cut the promo alongside his manager, Paulie B. Well, he said something like, if anyone could get somebody on this stretcher, it's Max Justice. And then Max Justice like shoves him. He's like, oh, let me bring in. His delivery was awful. The worst. Yeah. The worst. Then we get Remy interviewing Boyce Legrand in, in, in response. We got a match for the All Pro Wrestling Universal Championship. Max Justice defending against Boyce Legrand. Uh, Boyce Legrand, if you ever want to aggravate him just for no apparent reason, find him on Facebook and say, Die Hard of a Griffith movie. He will fucking yell at you for five minutes. No, it's not. I Seems like Boyd. a lovely fella. Yep. I love I love Boyce. Boyce Boy is a good dude, but I but he will go he will die on that hill of Die Hard not being a Christmas movie. All pro wrestling at this time was the top independent promotion on the West Coast. Like they like I never saw one APW match, but I was able to follow everything they were doing. That's how popular they were at that point. Ah. This match is probably not the best example of what APW could do. I mean, we're talking, they've got Michael Modest at the time. They got Donovan Morgan at the time. We're getting Mac Justice. Not a knock on Mac Justice, just he's not those other guys. As they say, they weren't sending their best and brightest over here. <laughs> now, you would think, based on the interview, that this was a stretcher match. Right. There's nope. not even a stretcher at ringside. What the fuck? He never even did, doesn't, doesn't even put him on a stretcher. They didn't address it at all. Yep. No. That was the end of that. Once again, that's just Remy going to business for himself because he had no idea what he was doing because they pulled him <laughs> off the streets. He's like, yo, wouldn't it be cool if we had a stretcher match? So here's the thing. Like, we talked about the jump cut earlier. We talked about the jump cut earlier thinking, well, maybe they're doing it to cut time and make sure they can fit the tape. Why don't they interview cut? They made nothing. It looked... <laughs> that dude... I honestly, I was saying that I'm like he he was talking, but he's like, if anyone could put someone on this stretcher, I'm like, oh, a stretcher match? Nope, <laughs> nothing. Basically, say, yeah. He was just saying. Cool? He was wouldn't just saying. Be, wouldn't it right. be cool if we had a stretcher match? <laughs> They're like, what's going on? He's like, no, you know, I'm just saying. If anybody could put anyone on a stretcher, it would be old Max. You know, just old tongue in cheek and whatnot. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the match, the match is fine. It's not great. It's not bad. It's fine. It's very short, if I recall. I don't have a time for it, but I was still trying to figure out why the fucking tech death match ended. I never stopped the stopwatch after the tech death match. <laughs> so I have no idea how long the thing actually it's, went. Jayhawk, it's still happening, actually. 22 <laughs> years later, that match is still going on. I mean, technically, I guess. <laughs> Justin Wingate with a choke slam off the top. And then we get my favorite Remy interview of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Remy in the back. He, he, he interviewing Fang. Fang and, the, and, yep. and the question he asked Fang is, how did you get that name? Right. The guy got <laughs> vampire teeth in his mouth. How did you get the name? Oh. Yeah, in his in his in his delivery. So uh, you know, uh Fang, uh how how'd you get that? <laughs> how'd you get Oh <laughs> uh, shit? Look, 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 the guy sounds like he's doing a poor man Grotty Dangerfield at this point. He really, he sounded like Chris Farley, like he, in, and not in a good way. F 
Thank he's you. Yeah, he's basically the the sketch, the fucking interview sketch, but in real life and not <laughs> with no comedic timing. Exactly. They guarantee he'll win within ten minutes, and I'm thinking, thank God, at least it's going to be short. It's a first blood. It's a first blood match. <laughs> Fang against Blade Boudreaux. Blade Boudreaux, apparently the a- APWF Television Champion. How Ur- fitting is it that Blade is wrestling a vampire? And, and you know what? It's no, it makes a ton of sense. And the best part about it is those idiots probably had no idea that that's what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, commentary. The commentary got the match is non-titled. Ring announcer got it for the title. For the title, yep. Okay, commentary. Commentary earlier. In the, I wrote that. I, I I had to laugh the time together. So like the first or second match, somebody hit a knee drop, and one of the commentators go, "He hit him with a fist." <laughs> so I write down on my notes. Yeah, ring announcer kick a title match. Commentary kick a non-title, but commentary doesn't know the difference between a knee and a fist. But who knows? The next move, I swear to God, is. Rucho hitting a knee drop, and they called it a fifth drop on commentary. Could not have timed the fucking note any better. <laughs> and then we get the then we get a, the dumbest looking ref bump I've ever seen. I don't know, maybe I'm not, maybe I might, that might be too far, but it's bad. Like Boudreaux looks like he intentionally hit the referee, but they're trying to pay it, play it off like Fang pulled the referee in front of Boudreaux. Like no, like the referee was nowhere near Fang. <laughs> like Boudreaux just hit the, just hit the referee with a knee for like no apparent reason. Fang grabs a chair, going to hit the going to hit him in the back with the chair, and he does the deal where instead of hitting the back, he hit the floor. And it's so yeah. obvious that he hit the floor that commentary called it out. Even commentary said they're like, he didn't he didn't even get him. He didn't get him at all right there. He must be so tired. He must. <laughs> Fang comes up from the chair shot bleeding. I assume from the first one. The referee wakes up and stops the match in 337. So there's no shenanigans, there's no outside interference. There's no well. Now, Fang wait, actually wait. bled first, and then Boudreaux bled after the fact. But 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 wait wait wait. Let's let's go back to the beginning of the show real quick and say this. That dummy in the back said, "Abdul the butcher is here." We don't know why. Blah blah blah. During the entire show, the two idiots on commentary are going, "Abdul the butcher is somewhere in here." We have no idea what he's going to do. We have no idea why he's here. They were saying it all night, like it like like it was Stone Cold sitting in the back getting ready to come out. Uh, uh, it's like a 50-year-old, 60-year-old Abdul the Butcher was just hanging out at this at this show. They didn't see him either. They go, we haven't seen him, but we know he's here. Sorry. Yeah, if you haven't seen him, how do you know he's there? That, right. That'd be my thing. <laughs> but like, but go, go, but again, like, what was the point of the ref pump if like there wasn't even going to be a, you no, know, Fang actually bled first, but the referee didn't see it because he went down. Like, there was no need for the ref pump. Right. So after that, go after that, Fang leaps held up to a promise of winning in under 10 minutes. He actually wanted an under four. Here comes Abdullah the Butcher dragging out a coffin. And then he's, he's beating, he's busting Fang open repeatedly with a fork. I think the beatdown was longer than the match. <laughs> it was better than the match too, let's be honest. Abby threw the Fang into the coffin, then smashes the coffin with the ring steps because why not? Where did the coffin come from, by the way? Did I miss he, this? He dragged yeah, he it from w- the back. He dragged it. Yeah, he dragged it from the back. We're, we're to assume that Abdul the Butcher just brought a cat with him and started bringing it out to the ring with him for no apparent fucking reason. <laughs> he just travels with a casket. He's Abdul the Butcher. When he came out, the announcers made it, honestly, they made it out like, like uh, you know, Bruno San Martino just made his way to the ring. Yeah. And then after he's already put the dude in the coffin and then smashed the coffin with the ring step, he pulled him out of the coffin and like start beating him up again. Like, stop, Abby, he's already dead. <laughs> it's just that Simpsons clip. 
<laughs> where Homer is Krusty's beating up the right. hamburger equivalent. <laughs> the thing about Abdul the Butcher is, I don't think he was he's been able to walk like a human being in like forty years, and like watching him come down and like kind of waddle in and you know, I mean, they made that like he had like. You still have to sell to that dude when you just look at him and you're like, oh, no, no. There's no possible way this guy is doing anything. And then years later, he had his classic with the Necro Butcher. Right. He, that yeah, classic he looked, banger. He, he still looked better here than he did against Necro Butcher. Yes, that's, that's that, true. I mean, that's, huh. I mean, that's kind of like getting a root canal better than getting the tooth punch out of your face. Oh, right. it's, a very, it's a very low bar. <laughs> it was. It really was. And so from there, we get a commercial for CoopGreckling.com. I did trying- not fucking get this commercial at all. An odd spot for a commercial as well. All right, so, <laughs> so again, the promoter of the show run, uh, ran the Scoop Rickling website, so I get he trying to plug his shit. I get what he's doing here. But it's like, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, real or fake? That's the, like, that was the shit that was throwing me out. Like, what do you mean real? <laughs> <laughs> but that, but here's the thing, you know, but, uh, but the, the, the idea behind it being is that the news you get on Scoop Rickling is real, everything else is fake. But my favorite was when they were talking about when they talked about the Holyfield versus Lewis fight. Holyfield instead of Holyfield. Proofread yeah, read your class. shit. I got 30 seconds. Proofread read your shit. <laughs> Fuck. We get more Remy interviews after <laughs> them. More gems. The interview... I like to call them gems. They're a treat. They're a treat. Like a little, like a little diamond falling on your head. First, we get an interview with Rick Link. We follow that up with an interview with the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. They have a match coming up next for the New Dimension Wrestling Brass Knuckle Championship. New Dimension Wrestling out of North Carolina. There could not have been a match. I wanted to fast forward through more than this match, but. All right. And so so that starts with the two big jacked up dudes that the promoter somehow doesn't know who they are either. Distracting Rick Link to allow Fernandez to start using a chair. They immediately like start fighting on the floor. I do actually wonder how Manny Fernandez didn't get at least a brief EKW run. I mean, he packed a prime here, but he fit EKW perfectly. Like, I don't understand why he didn't get a, at least a, par- a partial run. But, right. They gave Jimmy Snooker a run. I mean, come on. Right. But while they're fighting on the floor, Chris Plato, who I get with the ND, NDW president or NDW owner, just stopped the match, calling it a no contest. It is a match for a, the Brass Knuckle Championship. It's basically a hardcore title. It's a no contest in three minutes if they're fighting on the floor. But then they keep still fighting after. They keep fighting after for a while. And yeah, I, I thought the match was still going on and it just kind of stopped. Well, they're both men are bleeding. I'm shocked it took the claw for Manny Fernandez to start bleeding, honestly. But they fight and if they fight for a little bit, Manny hits his, hit the flying burrito to a flying forearm and Duncan hit it very well. Link finally at this point leaves the ring and heads to the back. We, this is the second apparent no contact finish in a no DQ match within like four matches of each other. So now we're getting, so now not only are we getting uh, similar match type too close to each other, now we're getting game fit the game finishes. Logic. <laughs> so much logic. Like rule number one don't do the game finish twice on the game it, show. It's almost as if none of the promoters talk to each other who are running each show and we're just like, fuck it. That's how it's going to go. That's how That's- I planned it in my head. That's how it's going to go. My my match pr- takes precedence over everything else. That's why they can't do those big shows like that anymore. They don't make any sense. And if, now at this point, I'm still like, okay, there's a lot I don't like about this show, but they can still the action's still been good enough. I'm not hating it. 
that's going to change real fucking quick. <laughs> so Remy interviews the team of five to Kappa U in the back. They're going to wrestle the, the pit bull. The Gemini. The Gemini, the Shane twin. Yeah. The Johnson. Yep. Pick, your, pick your shitty gimmick. How did I not realize that? Holy shit. That they had hair here. They have hair here. That's why you didn't really like it. But I don't know if they had yeah, to look up too. Yeah, no, I knew right away. Those guys, that right away, I was like, oh, these two. Well, of course, of course you would know. There's a classic <laughs> WWE tag team, the Gemini. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> Gemini will complete the better gimmick than the Johnson. Yes. The, I don't know. The guy up all in pink and act like they're dick. I think that's No, that great, wasn't that the dicks? That wasn't great, Chad Dick and uh, and what's his name? No, they're no. in TNA as the Johnsons. Oh, the, the Johnsons Gemini. in TNA. The right. They're, uh, Rod and Richard Johnson. Rod I don't and Dick. Know. I like the idea of having two giant dicks wrestle <laughs> Man, with their manager, Mortimer Plumtree. Oh, Lord. What was his deal, by the way? That's a get off topic. But he's like with them. And then you think he was eventually with like AJ Styles for a minute. Yeah, he would. He, he was a manager out of Minnesota. I guess he was just driving himself into the TV and he was like helping out in the office and, and like yeah, helping like get the ticket count to play and stuff. Actually, Jeff Jarrett actually just talked about that on a podcast next week about Mortimer Plumtree helping out in the office, helping paper the town. It was just I just thought this is someone's grandpa's managing AJ Styles now. <laughs> I know I, I guess he was actually a pretty decent manager on the independent yeah before TNA started. I that that year ago he's there is like all I know of him. But Mortimer Plumtree. He even has a grandpa name. <laughs> it, well, I mean, we had Mortimer Mouth before Mickey Mouth. I guess company needs to be a manager named Mickey Plumtree now and claim they're Mortimer Plumtree and called younger brother or something. But anyway. Oh, I didn't give somebody a bad idea. <laughs> you probably did. I probably did. So we get another promo from a guy who had a pre-tape. Ron Nemi, out with Fight the Cap of You, start cutting a promo. Fight the Cap of You taking on the Pitbull. Oh, my God, is this match fucking horrible. It's not and- good, and I would have expected better, but then I realized that the Gemini weren't any good when they were <laughs> wrestling in WWE, so why would they be good here? And, and, and let's look at it this way. Like, okay, look at 1999. If we really look at it closely here, the Shane twin, maybe two years of experience at this point. Yeah. So I can get that they're not that good here. They're very green. And then you look at when they became the Gemini, that's 2000 pick that seven years later, and they weren't any better. Nope. They were not good then either. Look, some people just have incredibly low ceilings. You know, what's funny. They're twins. I get it. But at least one of them tried to stand out. They were both dog shit. <laughs> That's like asking me and my brother to go run. Both two just dopes out there, never getting any better in 40 plus years of our life. The Jim and I did not, you would have thought at least one of them would have maybe become the standout out of the two of them. But nope, they just decided to be as bad together. So I'm not going to lie, I did my best to pay attention, but I zoned out so much during this match. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. more like remembering that one of the pit bulls was dead most of the time. Yeah. I, and like, like there's a, there's a spot where, Ron Nemi hit Pitbull 2 with a chair right in front of the referee, and the referee doesn't <laughs> even warn him about it. I got, I got, I'm getting at this point that if we did, would have already had two no contests, I could have probably went, okay, it's the ECW Arena, it's relaxed rule, but we've just had two no contests, so clearly rules do matter to some extent. extent. Not, like, not only two no contests, two no contests in matches that were supposed to like be no DQ in one yeah. way or another. That that we're technically not supposed to have a no contest. Maybe right. it's it's bizarre world. All the matches that weren't like no contests or no like were. I'm trying to. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's hard all the to get it that out. Were supposed to be hardcore. <laughs> you could easily get disqualified for all the regular matches. They didn't give a fuck. 
like, like the Shane Twin work on Pitbull on Pitbull one's lay for like a minute and a half, and then they just stop working on the leg, let him get up, and then they're circling each other like the match is just starting. Like, what, what, like, what, like, like, like one of the one of the Shane Twins go to hit uh, Pitbull two with a Rana and doesn't even come close to hitting it, but Pitbull does the flip anyway. Like, like none of the any good. I, I, no. I, I, not too long after the run, I've got a note here. Why the fuck is it gone more than 10 minutes? It went so long. It went so long. And then Nimi interfered again after a Pitbull 2 powerbomb, again in front of the referee. Again, not even a warning from the referee. But like, finally, Pitbull 2 gets a roll-up at, at foot to win the IPW Tag Team title. 14 minutes and 2 seconds for the dog shit. This felt like it was twice as long. And one of the commentators said, that was a great match. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> That's what made you say fuck they, you? They said so many <laughs> egregious things, but that was probably the most egregious of them. Right. That's where he draws the line. Gee, you can fucking cry. The show's not over, though. There's a <laughs> battle royal. Okay, go. Then, well, okay, so this they said this is supposed to feature every winner of the match, but there's like five or six <laughs> people that don't come out. This was your main <laughs> event, uh, and you have like a seven-person Royal Rumble, basically. I, I know. Right when the dog shit of a tag match ended, my dog, like, jumping up and down, begging me to take her outside. Okay, I went, okay, good. I paused it. There's 10 minutes left in the show. And I'm like, they call this the barrier rumble, and there's 10 minutes left on it. Uh, well, maybe it's a battle royal, not a rumble. Maybe they were short on time, just went to regular battle royal rules. And no, they announced, they announced the rumble rule. I'm like, but there's less than 10 minutes left. So they announced, as Marky said, the winner of the earlier matches are all going to be involved in this. But there's no no Nick Gage, no Mike Quackenbush. I'm trying to remember who else. Uh, Those are the two um, most notable missing ones. Yeah. They all probably went home after they got stiffed on their payday. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not even so much. That we don't even have all the winners in here. But I, you know, I'll get I'll get to it when I do the rundown. Mac Justin and Scab start. They're one and two. Derek Stone coming in at number three. Stone asking for help. Stone claiming I've got a bad back. They announced one-minute intervals. They're close to, like, 45 seconds. That's fine. I don't care at this point. Number Let's get it over. Number four. Yeah. Number four, Rick Link, who, if you recall, not only did not win his match earlier, but it was a fucking no contest. There was no winner in that fucking match. But he's in this. Number five is Greeno Riggins. Number six is Stephen Dunn. Number seven is Tom Brandy, who, you recall... Did not win his match earlier in the night. He lost to Stevie Richards, but apparently Stevie Richards was attacked in the back. Gee, I wonder by who. Don't know this because they didn't bother actually putting Nick on camera. 85 fucking pre-tape on the goddamn thing. They can't film an attack for the video. Tom Brandy being carried out to the ring on the shoulder of Romeo Valentino and Jimmy Cicero for some reason. Brandy comes in, eliminates everybody within 30 seconds, and I mean everybody. It's so fucking dumb! Why did... Oh, God! Yeah, and the match is over. Four minutes and thirty-one seconds for a fucking rumble. <laughs> there were at least five people who didn't, who won matches, who were supposed to be in the goddamn thing, who weren't in Matt, who did weren't in it. Why Somebody, did they even do this? I, I well, here's why. Here's why they did it. Al like the kind of he wanted to go through a table. So they so this was set up strictly to have a spot where Tom Brandy would put him through a table. That's it. Al like Al like the kind of he was such a fucking mark for the bits like he wanted to go through a fucking table. That was it. You could do that and not a battle royal, though. Right. There could have been a million other places on this show where you could have went through the table. Yeah. And apparently, I didn't bother smarting a girlfriend up about it because she was like legitimately pissed, from what I understand. 
Like that was actually a famous story when it happened that that his girlfriend or wife, whoever the fuck she was, was pissed that he took the table bump and was like screaming at Tom Brandy, "How could you do that?" And she didn't realize what could fucking work. Oh God, this fuck this! I <laughs> like, like I said, I actually enjoyed a lot of the action on the. I was leaning toward Thumbs Up halfway through. I was still leaning toward Thumbs in the middle with two matches to go. It's a fucking thumbs down because this last thirty minutes of the show is so goddamn horrible. This, this. I'm gonna make since I was talking about Sonic, I'm gonna make a Sonic reference. This is the Sonic 2006 of Supercards. Fuck this show. <laughs> thumbs down. I, I'm gonna go with it, it. Started off really bad and it stayed really bad. That's that's a thumbs down. And that fucking dude, if I ever see that backstage interviewer anywhere near a microphone, I'm gonna shove it down his throat. I thought you said you're gonna buy him lunch. Right. <laughs> Fine, I'm gonna buy him lunch and then send kick him in the ass and send him on his way. That was just brutal. That show was terrible. It is definitely a poorly aged show. Oh, couldn't have aged worse. Like leaving milk out in the sun. Yeah. How I could last I knew I had a YouTube channel about two years ago. I hadn't updated in like two years and like nobody and I and I have more subscribers on my YouTube channel, but like two years ago, he was actually still around. Good for you, I guess. <laughs> if YouTube channel had him like doing improv and shit. Oh. Oh, Glad no. to know he's still alive, just not booking wrestling shows anymore. <laughs> I didn't think he was still alive. The two years, two year old info, he might not be alive. I think he's still alive. I couldn't tell you. He's live at the Borgata four years ago. <laughs> True story. Uh, I, 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 I really wanted to like the show. I heard so many good things about this show. You did? When, when who, the first, told, who told you that? It was written up in the Observer. People were at the show. I think it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. They praised the opening three-way with Quackenbush, which was the highlight of the show. They they opened with the best match of the fucking show. Look, I know you want to start hot, but if the best match is the first match, you're, you're, in, you're in trouble. Just spiraling out of control till the end. Well, they were taking Lekin from WCW at the time. If you ever watch a WCW pay-per-view, that's how they were, too. Best, the opening matches were fucking great, and then you get to the second half of the show, it's fucking dog shit. That's what we had here. Yeah. Yep. With, the, with the WCW pay-per-view of independent Supercard. Supercards. Minus, minus any star power. Right. <laughs> yeah, the biggest the biggest star of the show was Shane Douglas, and he cut a promo before that match actually started. Him and Abdullah, and Abdullah just kind of came out, so he wasn't even really, like, announced, announced. Only to the fans at home. Yeah, I, 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 wanted, know. I wanted so badly to like this show. And like I got halfway through, I'm like, okay, the, despite the issue with the commentary and a couple of bad finishes, like the action's still good enough. I can call like a thumb cup and it just kept getting work and work and it went along. Yep. I would, Listen, people, they all can't be winners. We try to give you stuff that is decent, but you know, these, sometimes these things kind of sneak past us. We, we, we can't be the gatekeepers of all that's good all the time. So I, so much, so much of this looked good on paper. It really did. Yep. It really looked good on paper, folks. Mark, you got any plugs? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at eGirlFanboy, boy spelled B-O-I. Find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash eGirlFanboy. Check in my other podcast, X Over. There'll probably be a new episode dropping sometime next week. You can follow me on Twitter at RefJayhawk, Instagram at Jayhawk1539, Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash RefJayhawk. I will be refereeing for Real Action Pro Wrestling this Saturday, November 19th at the Ohio Urban Renaissance Center in Youngstown, Ohio. It is Car Ray PW Thanksgiving Throwdown show. It is the 12th anniversary show. 12th anniversary of, of them being in uh, 
yeah, 12th anniversary of them be, being in Youngstown. I should guide hmm. it. They, were, they did Barberton for quite a while before that. Uh, Barry McKenzie and Kip Page for the RPW Championship in the main event, the TV uh, Edwards Memorial Battle Royal. I think they're having matched the total on the card if I if I read the lineup right on that. So if nothing else, come out and keep me. That's, that's what I got, Jagle. Ah, okay. You can find me on Twitter at Jagle12. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. Remember the new Twitter handle, IWGuide1, and the merch store over at BrainBusterTees.com. I just I put up on my Twitter uh, a pair of the new joggers. I got to say the logos are printed perfectly. I think, you know, go on. If you want to check out, you know, and wear our faces on your body, please do. Our logo is great. It really is great. It's for for a podcast, you know, I think it's very professional looking, and, and, uh, and we make really nice merch. So you can't go wrong. The hats for the winter, the sweatshirts, the joggers. Um, please check it out. Um, you know, don't you forget- know what's going to be great about when we get those booty shorts? Yeah. My face is going to be dead center on people's asses. I think we discussed this, and I'm all for it. <laughs> Me and Jayhawk can be the cheeks, and you can be dead center. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 want, I want the fanny pack to come back and cut out. Everybody can wear it on their crotch. But Exactly. Listen to the uh, to the podcast, friends. Pod Van Dam, super fantastic podcast. If you catch my Griff, the A-Show. At Odds with Wrestling, our very own Marcy's X over. The card is going to change in Wrestling Cheers. Our other friends, uh, JCP Designs, the official graphic designer of IW Guide. Um, PWPonderings.com, Time Capsule Toys, Toy Ohio, Big Starks Brand, Steph Tab Photo, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, the best barbecue in Ohio, and the Kayfabe Collectibles with their office now located in Florida. I know with this economy is difficult, but check out Joey. He's got some great stuff on there that you might not be able to find. Um, that is it for me on this uh, glorious Wednesday slash Friday, um, and I will be in Ohio next Friday. And in the immortal work of the late, great Bobby DeBree Heenan, Outback Jack got a lot of fan mail. He would have had more, but he ran out of stamps. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody, and, enjoy, and support your local independent wrestling. See you. Later.